We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. America faces a choice. This is Battleground America. Here's Tara Servatius. Welcome to today's edition of the Insane Things Podcast. Every Friday, we run down the most insane things that happened that week, and I only tell you about those that are unprecedented in our world or in our country. Our first insane thing today, the shockingly low 2% economic growth rate in the third quarter. Well, shocking to everyone else, your humble host has to take a victory lap. I warned you about this months ago. I was screaming about this and how it was coming weeks ago. Pretty good for a mom who does a talk show and a podcast as a hobby. Somehow, though, this shocked CNN and the mainstream media, who did their best shock faces yesterday, as if they didn't see this coming. Like I've said for months, the mainstream media will never tell you the truth economically while a Democrat is in office until the last minute, when it's too late for you to do anything to save yourself or your investments. They will not really reveal the truth till they have no other option. They will lie to you right up until. They did it with the Great Recession. I'll never forget it. They would trot out all their talking heads to assure us that it really wasn't that bad and it really wouldn't come to anything. Right up till the day before, it came to something. This is just like that. But... The mainstream media did get one thing right yesterday. It is shocking when you understand what just happened here. The insanity of the decline. When you understand that this spring, this spring, less than six months ago, the economy, the American economy was growing at 6.7%. And it declined to just 2%. Now, I forecast a 1.3% growth rate, and I'm going to get that right. What they traditionally do, the federal government, when they tell you what the growth rate is and a Democrat's in office, they give you an artificially high one, then they revise it down a few months later. I'm going to get this right. It's just a little early. Which goes to show you the Democrats are actually highly effective at implementing their policies. Think about it this way. If you were sitting there in the second quarter, And you said to yourself, or the first quarter, you know, I am going to completely gut growth in America. I've got less than six months to do it, and I'm going to take it from 6.7% to 2%. And you actually had to strategize out how you would do that that fast. It would be hard to do. You'd really have to work at it. But the Biden people did. This vast economic achievement, which 
I call the Great Repression is stunning in its breadth and depth. I mean, the U.S. inflation rate right now, as measured by the Consumer Price Index, just reached its highest level in 40 years during August and September. The cost of housing right now, here's another one they're not talking about, and there's a good reason why. The cost of housing right now is rising at the fastest rate on record. You mean as in ever recorded? Mm Mm-hmm. What caused this? Well, the media tried to blame it on Trump supporters. They did it subtly, blaming the unvaccinated for extending the pandemic. They didn't. The shots don't stop the spread. And blaming truck drivers. That's code word for Trump supporters. But it wasn't any of those things. Part of it was the manufactured supply crisis created by Democrats in California and assisted by national Democrats pretending it was not created by Democrats in California. And it says, basically, if you're not unionized or driving a brand new truck, you know, decked out with expensive emissions controls, you can't drive in California, which means over half the truck fleet can't drive in California. Put that together with a government caused truck driver shortage and you've got an absolute catastrophe that they could end at any moment for the most part um, by having the EPA not enforce the rules in California. Instead, the Biden administration went the other way and began enforcing them in the process, knocking about half the truck fleet off the roads in California. Nothing will change until they stop. But the big cause was the $5.8 trillion of monopoly money we've dumped into the U.S. economy since the beginning of the pandemic and the fact that we shattered all previous financial records for that monopoly money this year, printing and borrowing a record trillion dollars, $1 trillion in just four months. It's never been done that fast. It's wreaking havoc on the economy, all of which adds up to this week's most insane thing, the economic decline, the growth decline, staggering again from 6.7% down to two in less than six months. That leads us to insane thing number two, which is phase two of the manufactured supply chain crisis, which the Democrats have tentatively scheduled for January when the proverbial crap will hit the fan. This time at the Canadian border. Here's how the Democrats plan to wreck trade with Canada, which is actually pretty huge. We do about $650 billion, with a B, dollars in trans-border business. We ship up there, but mostly they ship down here, including cars and car parts they assemble up there. It's going to be a real mess. Here's how the Democrats plan to wreck it. The Department of Homeland Security announced just a few weeks ago that there's going to be a vaccine mandate for international travelers coming over that northern border. Not the illegal immigrants at the southern border is silly. No, just the northern border. The purpose here is to screw up trade. And they're going to do that. In fact, the Canadian Truck Trucking Alliance describes what's coming in January as a, quote, disaster, unquote. I'd expect nothing less from the Democrats. About 40,000 U.S. truck drivers and 120,000 Canadian drivers operate in the cross-border trade, or they did. The CTA warned that about 20% of drivers will stop cross-border operations uh, once that happens. It's going to be about 20% of Canadian truck drivers, about 22,000, and about 40% of U.S. truck drivers, about 16,000, who they predict will 
almost immediately exit the Canada-U.S. trade system in January should the vaccination mandate take effect. The Canadian Trucking Alliance called on both the U.S. and Canadian governments to re-examine appropriate mandate timelines for cross-border truck drivers. Never doubt, y'all, that the supply line crisis is being pre-planned and heavily managed by the Democrats. For what purpose, we don't yet know. My guess would be to seize the supply lines, to have the federal government do that, but I don't know. Which leads us to the third most insane thing this week. The Biden administration's plans to pay out $450,000 per illegal immigrant to those separated from their families due to Trump enforcing federal law at the southern border in 2018. They're estimating, all told, that the payout for a family when they're done will be somewhere around a million dollars. The cost to you, the families they're transferring the wealth from, about a billion bucks. So today, as I record this, it's Friday. I'm going to tell you what Circleback Saki will say on Monday. She'll claim they have to pay out because they're suffering from a lawsuit. And who filed that lawsuit? The ACLU. They're a part of the Democrat Party. It's like the Democrats suing themselves when the ACLU sues the administration. And so if Trump were still in office, he'd just go to court and fight it. But it's Biden. So they're using the ACLU lawsuit on behalf of the separated families who allegedly suffered trauma. They're using the lawsuit as an excuse for the payout. They could challenge it. They just choose not to. Representative Dan Crenshaw nailed this, the outrage of it. For perspective, he said, if a service member is killed in action, their next of kin gets an insurance payment of $400,000. Let that sink in. Why are they doing this? Well, keep in mind, this is the same administration currently working with the U.N. on a website to help locate all 800,000 plus people that Trump deported and put them on planes at your expense to fly them back. That's still in the works. But you have to understand this is a voter drive. And so the goal is to get as many million people here as possible before the Biden administration ends. How many million? Let me remind you what the CEO of Gallup wrote on his blog. They had pulled Haiti, Central and South America, Mexico, places like that. Uh, and they asked the question, would you come here if you could, if the borders were open? And they estimate about 40 million would, given their poll results. The CEO of Gallup was so alarmed, he warned Joe Biden, 40 million might come. You've got to plan. Well, this is them planning on getting the 40 million here. This is an inducement for those who are still on the fence about making the trek. They've only got like three and a half years left to get them all here. And that is the goal. And they're only on track to do about two million this year. They've got to get it up to at least the seven million range to meet their voter recruitment goals. What will happen next? It's highly predictable. If these illegals get this payout, well, they'll expand it beyond the year 2018. After all, Barack Obama was separating families, too. Heck, they could go all the way back to the Bush era if they would like and pay all these future Democrat Party voters hundreds of thousands of dollars apiece. It's worth a try anyway, and they will. They'll expand this case. It's only a matter of time before that story breaks. Because after all, if people have been separated for years, it's not fair to only pay the ones separated in 2018 under Trump. And they know it. This is a pre-purchase of those votes. But even if they don't get that far, it's an inducement to come. They coupled it this week 
with the amnesty for seven million that they tucked into the bankrupt America plan, also known as Build Back Better. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Which leads us to insane thing number four. This is the week... We truly and authentically, as America, began to have truly open borders. Yeah, that rhetoric's used a lot. But this week, as of this week, our borders are truly open. Because three separate things have come together. Barack Obama's former Border Patrol chief, Tom Homan, explains why this week. Oh, everything they're doing. The secretary last week, he sent a memo to ICE. Basically saying, being in the country illegally is no longer enough to make an arrest. He said that. He did a paragraph in there that being illegally in the United States is no longer illegal. That's not a reason to arrest an illegal alien anymore. They had to be convicted of a serious crime. Mm-hmm. That sends a message. When you got Congress talking about passing amnesty, that sends a message. When, when, you, when you stop building the wall, that sends a message. This administration, every step they've taken, sends a wrong message. And they wonder why the numbers are increasing. Look, highest, we went from the most secure border to an historic high. This past year, more illegal crossings than ever in the history of this nation. And they did that with nine months. So congratulations to the progressives. They're winning the war on this. All by design. So essentially, ICE agents basically have nothing to do anymore since they can't deport anybody who is not convicted of a serious crime. But just to make sure, 
that they can't even deport them. The Biden administration this week created no deportation zones. Yep. Now, it's always been in the, in the country. It's been for a long time anyway. Uh, that you, you, know, you can't go into a church and arrest someone for deportation. Can't go into a school. But this week, they broadened the policy to create whole no-go zones for deportation. Basically saying you can't deport illegals from anywhere near a church, near a police station, near a school, near a hospital, near any place where children might gather, which would pretty much be any place. They didn't define nearby. That's on purpose. Because that means there are now huge swaths of America, basically pretty much all of it, except the woods or the desert, where you can't deport anybody. So couple that with last week's announcement that they're not doing workplace raids anymore. They might arrest employers for employing illegals, but they're not doing the raids anymore. Well, you can't do the arrest unless you catch them employing the illegals, and you're not going to catch them if you don't do the raids. So they basically ended workplace enforcement. Folks, as Homan explains, our borders are wide open right now. We have a wide open policy. It is almost impossible to remove these people. Effectively, we don't have a border. And the world, effectively, now has an ironclad right, not just to come here, but to stay. But remember, only about 60% of the illegals here come over the border. The rest overstay their visas. And that was the reason for insane thing number five this week. The vaccine mandate to enter the country. It included an exception for 50 poor countries where vaccines aren't widely available. So if you live here and you work here, um, you'll lose your job if you're not vaccinated. But if you would like to come here from another country, well, you're welcome. But only if your country's really poor uh, and you can't get the vaccine, then you don't need to be vaccinated. You can come in. But John over here, the hardworking American, will be fired from his job for not getting the vaccine. This vaccine mandate does not apply to rich countries. So you still got to be vaccinated to come here from there. Why are they doing this? For the same reason that they released 16,000 COVID positive illegals into the country, as we learned a couple weeks ago. For the same reason they refused to mandate mandatory vaccines for illegals before releasing them. Because they pulled it. And upwards of a third of them won't come if they have to be vaccinated. So while we're barring truck drivers bringing us desperately needed goods up in Canada, or we we plan to in January, we leave the border wide open with no vaccine mandates for what Dan Bongino this week brilliantly called super citizens, those with a superset of civil rights to whom laws and rules and norms and expectations simply don't apply because they are believed to be future Democrat voters. Now, why would you exempt 50 countries worth of people from having to be vaccinated to come in here. Easy. Same reason you'd exempt the illegals on the border from it. Because they won't come. And if they won't come, they won't overstay their visas. They are the most likely to overstay their visas. And to vote Democrat. Now do you see how this works? Once you let go of the notion that any of this is about COVID, because it's not, it all begins to make sense. This is a voter drive. covid is a weapon of mass repression. It's FDA board member Dr. Eric Rubin making an argument for why we need to approve this vaccine for kids 5 to 11 so we can find out if there's any side effects, so we can find out if it's safe. But we're never going to learn about how safe the vaccine is unless we start giving it. 
Yeah, that's just the way it goes. We're never going to learn about how safe the vaccine is unless we start giving it to our children with 16,000 adults listed as having died of the vaccine, reported to VAERS as having died of the vaccine. We're going to find out. See, the problem here is parents don't know how vaccine trials work. I do. When I was an investigative reporter, I wrote about them. Up until COVID, our drug companies making vaccines did their vaccine trials in India, Africa, and sometimes South America. They trialed these vaccines on those poor populations. It was a win-win for everyone involved. They'd usually kill a couple hundred people or more with their vaccines while getting it right. They might maim or injure hundreds to thousands more. But they're good at what they do, and they usually get it right long term. The governments in these countries would let them do it because they got paid to, number one, but also because this is often the only access these kids would have to any vaccine. So the death toll from the stuff they were being vaccinated against was usually higher than the vaccine injuries. We wouldn't bring these vaccines here until the death toll was minuscule. This is a country where if a vaccine killed, say, five kids a year and we knew it, they wouldn't let them roll it out. But now with this vaccine, that trial's not happening in Africa or India. It's happening here on your own children. And what's so horrifying about it is we already know this thing could have a death toll of 16,000 to look at VAERS. We already know this thing has an injury toll reported to VAERS over 800,000. Now, I always have to say when I say this, because I understand how VAERS works, VAERS was created by Congress. It is run by the CDC. It's on their website. That not every report of a vaccine injury or death submitted to VAERS is legit. It could be a coincidence. It could be nothing. Or it could be real. There's 16,000 death reports from the shot. That is more than from every other shot in the 30-year history combined in just 10 months. That's what's alarming. They'll have to sort through who actually died and who didn't. You should know this about VAERS before you vaccinate your kids with this. Typically, only about 10% of vaccine adverse events are ever reported to VAERS. Just 10%. So while some of those in the VAERS system undoubtedly are coincidence, maybe a 90-year-old man got the vaccine, dropped dead the next day, maybe he would have dropped dead anyway. Keep in mind, you could throw some of those out, they probably will as they investigate them. 90% of them are missing. They were never reported. No sane country puts this kind of thing in a child's arm. But this stopped being a sane country a long time ago. Speaking of whether we're sane or not, that leads us to insane thing number seven, the actual price tag of the Democrats' bankrupt America legislation that they struggled so hard this week to pass. They claim they've pared it down to just $1.5 to $2 trillion. But as the New York Post explained, that's a total lie. The actual decade-long cost of it is $7.5 trillion. Welcome to the Gimmick Olympics, the New York Post wrote this week, whereby the Democrats obfuscate, lie, and fake the price tag of the bill in order to give Joe Manchin, the senator from Virginia, cover for voting for it. Here's how they do it. They just end a lot of the new entitlement programs they're creating, uh, like at two years, three years. Well, everybody knows, even if the Republicans are in charge that, they'll re-up them. They're not going to take money away from the people. So it's actually a 7.5 
$1.5 trillion plan. In it, the New York Post reports, instead of producing legislation that truly cost $2 trillion over a decade, the Democrats used fake expiration dates to score only a few years of each proposal. The idea, they say, is to create new federal programs, hook the constituents on them, and then assume future Congresses would not dare to allow them to expire. One of these programs they're creating is the first universal income program, the first transfer program. It's disguised as tax credits, where they bump the tax credit from two to $3,000 per child and $3,600 for children under the age of six. And they dramatically expand who they pay it to before you actually had to pay in for the most part to get this. Not now. Even the 40 plus percent of Americans, around 46, who don't pay taxes will get this too. Got three young children? Congratulations. We're going to be paying you about as much as a low paying part-time job to stay home. It was supposed to end in March as part of the COVID relief, but this bill will extend it. And that's why I call this the Bankrupt America Bill. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. See, the Democrats are planning to pay for this mostly by printing and borrowing. They've gotten away with that up till now because of the myth, because of the legend. And a lot of this is psychological of the U.S. dollar as being unshakable uncrackable and the rest of the world continue to use it as a reserve currency to transact in thus artificially inflating the value of the dollar a lot of it's just psychological because they believe in it because they believe it's safe and the reason they continue to believe that despite our outrageous pandemic printing and borrowing almost six trillion dollars worth was because they looked at it as temporary it's a pandemic thing america will stop and the dollar will go back to being solid after wobbling a little. This is a sign to the world that they have no intention of ever stopping. This is a sign to the world that they intend to strap whole new entitlements, in this case, wealth transfer programs, directly to the printing press. And it has nothing to do with the pandemic. That's the significance of it being the Build Back Better plan. It's an infrastructure plan. It has nothing to do with the pandemic. The world's financiers will understand what that means. America has not lost its taste for the printing press, has become addicted, and will never give it up until they drive the dollar into the ditch. The passage of this bill won't just directly bankrupt the country and destroy the dollar, leading to very high inflation. It'll end the psychological belief that the dollar is stable, or at least it stands a very good chance of doing so. It'll be a sign that if you're, I don't know, doing an international business deal, best not to do it in dollars. Finally, in the final most insane thing this week, the bizarre spectacle of fascist dictator and erstwhile Attorney General Merrick Garland being busted by Senator Ted Cruz as having not checked into a single one of the cases he cited as his justification for the wave of violence taking place at school board meetings. 
violence so bad, the FBI would have to, of course, be dispatched to terrorize parents. Yet when confronted by Cruz, he didn't know any of the details of the incidents, which it turned out weren't exactly violent. I'll get to that audio in just a sec. You need to hear this first to set it up properly. As in, how far they're intending to go. Senator Ben Sass confronted A.G. Merrick Garland at the Senate hearings this week with a letter he had gotten a hold of. He wasn't supposed to get it. It was supposed to never be made public. It's the U.S. attorney for Montana, who, of course, answers directly to Merrick Garland, talking about how they plan to use the terror statutes to go after concerned parents who make nasty phone calls to school board members. Not threats of violence or anything illegal. Just angry phone calls. The U.S. attorney for Montana takes as predicate for why he's doing what he's doing your memo and on October 14th, he sends a list of all the counterterrorism statutes that should be considered to be used against parents who are upset about things that might be happening at their school boards. Maybe there's lots of specific evidence of violence being threatened against school board members in Montana. But he, his memo or his response to your memo includes a letter where he says that anonymous telecommunications harassment, repeated telephone calls or repeated harassing communications should be things that are potentially brought up as the basis for federal charges against parents. Do you agree with this letter of October 14th? Senator, I'm going to say again, this is aimed at violence and threats of violence, and I don't care whether they come from the left or from the right or from up or from down. I don't care if they're in favor of curriculum or against a particular kinds of a curriculum. He's such a smooth liar, isn't he? That Merrick Garland. No way the Montana AG would have ever written that letter to Merrick Garland if he didn't intend to use the terror stats against parents who make nasty phone calls. Why is this needed? Well, because the Democrats are getting to the point in their agenda where it is increasingly radical and they anticipate significant pushback, significant demonstration against it. Look at what happened just this week in Vermont. They replaced the the halftime show at the football game at a Vermont high school with a drag show where boys dressed as girls in full drag, girls dressed as boys. By the way, this drag show to celebrate Pride was put on by students and faculty working together down in Florida in the post-American territory of Broward County, an elementary school field trip to a, are you ready for this? Gay bar was led by a school board member so the kids could go and watch the men dance. All very exciting. Did I mention it's an elementary school field trip and that she was a school board member? Apparently, they do this every year. Then we go to Kentucky, to Hazard High, the aptly named Hazard High, where the video is still coming out of the boys dressed as girls doing lap dances for each other and the faculty and the principal. None of this should surprise us, folks. Our military has been putting on drag shows for the soldiers to foment unity somehow for years. We had a Navy unit not too long ago forced to take part in a gay pride parade. The only option that you had was whether you wanted to bring your family along or not. Marching with the gay pride rainbow flag was not optional. So they've got all this stuff going on at the federal level. Now they're pushing it down into schools. You can bet parents will rebel. 
And that is why they are using the FBI against them. It's part of a broader trend to terrify parents, and not just parents, but anybody who opposes their agenda, out of legitimate legal protest. Because if you commit even the slightest offense or are perceived to have, the FBI will do the full pre-dawn raid on your home, complete with local television news networks tipped off. Remember, they just did that a few weeks ago in Florida where they picked up that Green Beret. Over 20 FBI agents, more than 20 Department of Homeland Security vehicles, full tactical gear, SWAT-style team, and he was arrested for misdemeanor trespassing on January 6th. He's a former Green Beret, the victim of the FBI here. And they even admit, remember, he didn't even enter the building. So how can you get him on misdemeanor trespassing? I don't know. But the purpose of this is to make sure that nobody who is gainfully employed dares protest anywhere in this country. It's part of the overall scheme of things. Speaking of which, my timer on my phone went off to remind me to check on the fate of the illegal immigrants who were allowed to terrorize a sitting U.S. senator because she refused to vote for the bankrupt America bill. Specifically, I set the timer for two weeks out. I wanted to know if they'd be arrested. These are illegal immigrants terrorizing a U.S. senator. And look, if they'd done it on the streets, it would be nasty, but legal. And I wouldn't object to it. But they committed a felony in the process. Not a a misdemeanor trespassing, as the Green Beret did, but an actual felony in the state of Arizona. You can't follow someone into a bathroom and video them. It's illegal. So I thought I'd look to see if they'd been arrested, if they'd gotten the full FBI pre-dawn raid. After all, using the justification of January 6th, that's more intimidation of any public official than we saw by anybody on January 6th. And a felony was committed in the process. Was anyone arrested? Oh, heck no. Because Kirsten Cinema, while she's a Democrat and thus a member of the protected class, had run afoul of the protected class by not going along with what they wanted and thus deserved felony level punishment, which was then ignored by the same FBI that did that raid uh, in broad daylight, ruining the life of that poor Green Beret in Florida. Because let me tell you what, they'll drop the charges against them. That's not the point. They're not going to be able to win that in court. The point is to burn forever into the Internet the image of you being hauled out of your home by the FBI in the raid because you'll never work again. And you certainly won't ever protest again. That's what all this is about. That's what Merrick Garland is up to. And here's how you know it had nothing to do with violence. It's my audio clip of the week. Senator Ted Cruz tearing Merrick Garland to pieces at that Senate hearing this week, which he in which he justified his deployment of the FBI Department of Homeland Security against parents by the so-called violent incidents they're allegedly committing. Let me ask you something, General Garland. In the letter, which you told the House of Representatives was the basis for this abusive memo targeting parents, how many incidents are cited in that memo? I have to look back through the memo. I okay, can't count it. You don't know how many of them were violent. Again, the, the general report. How many of them were violent? Do you know? I don't know. You don't know. And there's a reason you don't know, because you didn't care, and nobody in your office cared to find out. 
I did a quick count just sitting here. During this hearing, I counted 20 incidents cited. Of the 20, 15 on their face are nonviolent. They involve things like insults. They involve a Nazi salute. That's one of the examples. My God, a parent did a Nazi salute at a school board because he thought the, the, the policies were oppressive. General Garland is doing a Nazi salute at an elected official. Is that protected by the First Amendment? Yes, it is. Okay. 15 of the 20 on the face of it are not violent. They're not threats of violence. They're parents who are unhappy. Yet, miraculously, when you write a memo, the opening line of your memo, in recent months there has been a disturbing spike in harassment, intimidation, and threats of violence. You know what? You didn't look and nobody on your, on your staff looked. Did you even look up the 20 instances? As I testified, the decision to make uh, send a memo is for an assessment. Did you look up the 20 instances? I did not read. Did anyone on your staff look them up? I don't know the answer, but it's. Uh, not uh, but of course memo. you don't. In general, there's a reason. Look, you started your career as a law clerk to Justice Brennan. You've had many law clerks during the year, during your time as a judge. I was a clerk to Chief Justice Rehnquist. I'll tell you what, if I drafted an opinion for the Chief Justice and walked in and it said, there's a disturbing pattern of violence, well, Ted, how do you know that? Well, I got an amicus brief here who claims it. You would fire a law clerk who did that. You're the Attorney General of the United States. This was not a tweet you sent. This is a memo to the Federal Bureau of Investigations saying, go investigate parents as domestic terrorists. That is not what the memo says at all. It does it, not is it what the letter says? That is not what Is it what the letter says? I don't care what the letter says. You don't care. care? You said it was the basis of your memo. You testified under oath before the House of Representatives. The letter was the basis of your memo. Now and you don't care about the letter? The letter and public reports of violence and threats of violence. My memo says nothing about domestic terrorism. It says nothing about parents committing any such things. My memo is an attempt to get an assessment of whether there is a problem out there that the federal government needs to... The respond. letter on its face says the actions of the parents could be the equivalent to a form of domestic terrorism. And that is wrong. And, and asks the president to use the Patriot Act in regards to domestic terrorism and directed at parents. And this was the basis of your memo. My memo. The Department of Justice, when you're directing the FBI to engage in law enforcement, you're not behaving as a political operative because a political ally of the president says, hey, go attack these parents because we don't like what they're saying. Department of Justice, you did no independent research on what was happening, did you? The memo has nothing to do with... Did you do independent research? The memo has... Did you do independent research? The memo has nothing to do... Okay, you're not answering that question. with Tara Servatius. Please subscribe on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Share with friends, family, and other free thinkers. Thanks for listening.